Hello, beautiful people. You are listening to the Communal Table Podcast, part of Food and Wine Pro. I am your host, senior editor, Kat Kinsman, and my guest today is somebody who, ah, she's amazing personally, she's amazing professionally. I love her her food, I love what she's doing for the industry, and uh, she's in New York City right now at Chef's Club, which she will explain some more about, but usually you can find her in Asheville, North Carolina at her incredible restaurants, Kurate, and the newer Button and Co. Bagels. Welcome to the show, Katie Button. Does that make sense? Is that okay? I feel I should explain to the audience also the cold medicine that I took last night is having a second wave right now. (laughs) So if things seem a little loopy, that's what's up. Makes it more interesting. Oh my gosh. How you doing, Katie? I'm good. Katie Button, you are in New York City, which is not where you usually cook. No, that is correct. (laughs) I've been here since uh, for over a month, so um, it's it's great. Okay, let's talk about where you usually are and what you're doing here. (laughs) So, um, usually in Asheville, North Carolina, I have two restaurants, Kurite and a bagel shop, Button & Co. Bagels. I'm going to just interrupt for a second and say, Kurite, like, uh, I stayed an extra day beyond my plans in Asheville, so I could actually eat lunch there, and I was so grateful. It was a pretty significant day as well, because um, Jose Andres was, uh, he was, I think he was being sworn in as an American citizen that day, or some sort of big thing, but there's, there's a lot of... Uh, it was eating something in particular there that one of your servers was saying like, oh, it's, you know, it's very Jose Andres. And it just it just felt like this this really meaningful moment. And I was thinking, you know, the earth was telling me what to do, stay in Asheville and eat this yeah. food. And it was such an extraordinarily extraordinary meal. I had to drive like hell once I, <laughs> once I got out of there, but that kept me in Asheville. He's, he's an amazing individual, <laughs> and I feel fortunate to have had a lot of... Um, help and mentorship and ideas from him so did you uh stage at El Bulli? I did yes okay that's yes, what I thought <laughs> I did yeah. even through the cold medicine right. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this yes yeah yeah but it was an amazing experience so you have that and you have a button and co bagels yes I opened a bagel shop because I born in South Carolina but I grew mm-hmm. up in New Jersey and then moving Where in New Jersey I don't think I knew that northern New Jersey's near Mountain Lakes it's like near Morristown oh Okay, I uh, grew up in my first two years of my life in Teaneck. So oh, okay. the world is tiny. Yes, it is. New Jersey is great. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really uh, is. <laughs> and then you found your way to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, so uh, how long were you in South Carolina? So, well, I was born in South Carolina. Okay. Okay. Um, and and we moved up to New Jersey when I was about seven. My grandparents had retired there, and that's my connection down to the South. And you found your way back to North Carolina. How did yes. that happen? That was just. When we were deciding to go into business on our own, who's the we? <laughs> um, uh, my mother, myself, my father, and uh, my husband, my then fiance. We weren't even married yet. I think we were like using the restaurant as like a test run. It's like if you can get through the <laughs> opening of a restaurant, <gasps> then uh, you Sealed then you life. can get married. So <laughs> wow, that is a trial by fire. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh my god, you seem to be a gently knock on table, doing just fine. <laughs> yes. It it was, you know, we moved down to Asheville, North Carolina, just to open a Spanish tapas bar, like mm-hmm. a little small restaurant. <laughs> right. Uh, oh, just do this little thing <laughs> together. No big whoop. <laughs> I had no idea, you know, where our path was headed. But And know. was he also in restaurants? Yes. So Felix worked at El Bui for five years in oh. the front of the house in service and beverage. Is and that where you met? We actually met working in D.C. for Jose Andres because oh, wow. a lot of the chefs and people of, 
um, at El Bui when El Bui was closed every year for the six months it was right. closed every year, would come to D.C., learn English, like work with Jose, mm -hmm. and that's where I met Felix. And then and the other chefs at El Bui, and that's where I got to learn about what El Bui was like and what mm -hmm. it was, and that's how I had the opportunity to go back and work Okay, can you brief the people on what El Bui was and kind of if you feel comfortable what it continues to be? Yeah, so, I mean, gosh, that's a... Uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> no. I don't know if I'm going to do that justice, but the, um, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, look, simply, it was one of the best restaurants in the world for mm -hmm. five years. It was the best restaurant in the world for As five years. As voted by in, every organization. Uh, in, a, in a row, but it was one of the best restaurants in the world for ages. And I would say it also really marked a change in food and creativity mm -hmm. of, you know, a time period that we will all look at as... Um, I don't know, shifting the culinary landscape mm -hmm. forever. And um, El Bui and Ferran were a really big part of that shift. Mm -hmm. um, it was, and it, it continues to represent that. And now they're actually working on a foundation project construction mm -hmm. in the old El Bui site to create some sort of research and like laboratory to continue the exploration of food um, and technique, cooking techniques in that space. It's an extraordinary thing. And the family tree of people who have come out of there is absolutely extraordinary because it it pretty much relied on people doing stages there, like yes. any of these huge operations like there or Noma or just any of these other sort of legendary kitchens need a gazillion hands there. And so when you stage, you go there and you work for free mm -hmm. or kind of, you know, have to pay to be there right. yourself. But you pick up this education that you could nowhere else on earth and people would uh, really compete to stage there. Absolutely. It was like my, it was my culinary school, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and I think I, it, it was so worth it. I learned so much in that time, you know, even though I, it's what secured for me in my mind. I knew that I was doing what I love to do because mm -hmm. it was a very intense, high oh, pressure yeah. environment. It was hard work. It was mm -hmm. monot a lot of it was monotonous work. And I loved every minute of All it. All of that precision, right? Yes. Like, yeah. Well, it's, okay, so there's you and your then fiancé who have worked at this extraordinary groundbreaking uh, place, and you have this background in in Spanish food and, you know, this incredible education. So you decide to go to the South to open up some tapas. <laughs> natural, <laughs> natural move there. So what was the impetus in particular to take this specific skill set and take it to, uh, to Asheville? We looked in the Northeast because that's mm -hmm. where, you know, I grew up and we were looking around the New York, New Jersey area. It was so expensive. Mm -hmm. And just, I don't know, every place that we looked at, it just nothing clicked and yeah. it didn't feel right. And... Um, I went on this road trip with my mother, actually, to try to find we went into this family business. It's very wow. much a family business. I yeah. went on a road trip with my mother, like, through North Carolina just because I wanted to be close to my grandmother. She was in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I had this real, like, solid connection from my childhood of memories of Southern food and just, yeah. like, culture. And I – if I was going to move anywhere else, it was going to be that area. Yeah. So we looked all over North Carolina. And when we came through Asheville, honestly, it was like – People who – a lot of people who live in Asheville say the same thing. Mm -hmm. There is something about the, like, mountains and the rivers and this, yes. like, vibrant downtown full of historic buildings that nobody tore down that, like, now have – 
you know, little coffee shops or um, breweries or art stores or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, it's really special. And we fell in love and it was like, wow, this is definitely the place. I I have had that feeling. It's really interesting that you say that because the first time that I went when I did get to you know know, went to your restaurant uh, I had just come from an extremely emotional experience Um, my parents had sold their place in Kentucky and moved to Greenville um, which is really not far no, from not Asheville. Far my my sister had uh, uh, moved there and, and worked for a while. And so my mother is, um, she's got uh, various degenerative conditions and uh, sort of a, a lot of uh, ailments seen and unseen. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't uh, seen my parents for a while and I went down to visit them. And, you know, my dad had sort of told me before, um, I went to see them that she was much changed and her condition had gotten a lot worse. And mm. so I, you know, I'd wow. gone down to Greenville to, to see them and had this, you know, incredibly emotional experience and uh, took them to my, my favorite uh, Southern cafeteria there and stuff. And it was just, it was this really powerful thing. And TMI, I heard her say my name for the first time in a long time, it was oh, all yeah. this kind of stuff. And I, ha- I had this road trip ahead of me and I just remember leaving there and it's not a very long drive to Asheville, but getting to Asheville, and something about exactly what you were saying, this coming together of, of the environment, the what you, what you can see, what you can feel there, just hitting me in that particular mm. way, checking into my hotel and just sinking into the bed there and then thinking like, okay, um, this is an amazing thing. And then like going about the business of feeding myself. So there's just sort of this extra layer to, to that. And then after I left your restaurant, I went and, you know, found like, I think it's like Olive and Sinclair chocolate. Is that yeah. with you? Or, or, or there's, there's some chocolate that's, that's there, but I just remember walking around there and feeling like it was this healing kind of place too. So yeah. French broad chocolate. Fred, that's probably. what it was. Yes. I do love Olive and yes. Sinclair also, but it was French broad chocolate specifically. Yeah. And I bought myself this little ring and then I ended up going on this crazy, actually it was a road trip on the way to Oxford, Mississippi. Mississippi, where I was was doing the debate with Kim Severson. (laughs) But uh, this all goes to say that this particular kind of cooking you're doing and this environment that you're setting up, it makes sense now that you you say all of this, this coming together of it. And it it was interesting to like pick the place that you then are going to live for an extended period of time. Um, But I've we're so happy it was a, it was a good decision. And did you find so you you go there did you have a, a, a particular place picked out like a location for the restaurant or you're just sort of we're going to get here we're going to land we're going to figure it out. We didn't even know the concept we were opening. We were just <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> this this, this, this is, is a huge <laughs> leap of faith on your part. This was just us like you know, just taking a step in life and who knows what's going to happen. And um, Wow, yeah. you're just grabbing hands, jumping into the abyss here. Yes. Yeah. So I take it he gets along really well with your family. <laughs> it's it's um, it's great, yes. Felix gets along great with my family. It is also challenging to work in a family business, right. which, I mean, you know, it's not. It has its very highs and also its lows. So. Yeah, because you cannot escape that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Family, you, you would never, you know, the, the, I think... I think at the core of it is that um, you never talk to people uh, like other people the way that you talk oh, to God. family members. <laughs> like, 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 yep. like all decorum, like in on my part, like just, you know, falling into the roles of daughter, you know, it's so, uh, and yeah. 
like talking back to my mom. It's like <laughs> sassing back to your mom. <laughs> totally. It's like really inappropriate in a business, but it's really hard to escape. Right. Um, so uh, anyway, even as I get older, it doesn't go away. No. And it's interesting. I actually love to talk to people who are in business also with their partner. Oh, yeah. And and the lines along which which that falls. Because I have a lot of friends who their relationship is one is front of house, one is back of house mm-hmm. kind of thing. And how do you negotiate that? And then how do you check it at the door once you get home? It's we are not doing great at that. Um, <laughs> I don't think anybody is truly, even the yeah. people who really say they're like, yeah. <laughs> it's we try to have areas, but the problem is, is that I care. Like Felix is in service, and I'm in food. But the problem is, is I care so much about the service in our yeah. restaurants, and Felix cares so much about the food <laughs> that it's impossible for us to separate and like draw those lines and not you know we frequently end up in those situations where I'll be like don't tell me what to do in my area and he'll be like wait but you tell me all the time what to do in my area I'm like you're right and uh you know those are important words in a marriage too you're right right. (laughs) (laughs) that's but that's an incredible thing because it seems like the the winner of that is well the the customer (laughs) the guest seems if you're both caring that much about it that's an incredible thing but do you have moments where you you leave it and you say like okay here we have to both make a concerted effort to have this be nothing to do with business right now and just be yeah I I think we need to do better at that. <laughs> right. I mean, we're we're like working on it, but yeah, yeah. it's not it's not a it's not a, it's something I'm talking to my therapist about. How oh. do I how do I make life? <laughs> oh God bless therapy. It's such. It's, I just started in August. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. That is huge. And I feel like I'm telling everybody in the world because <laughs> it has been amazing it you know what it's such a great time because it's 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 like for me it's set in stone like y'all I have to go and do this right now if you actually I said remember sent a, a note to our slack group uh last week we were trying to get the story out and I said everybody um I need to go to therapy right now or else like this story is going to make me uh punch a wall <laughs> and it was it was like nothing to do with anybody there but just like the subject matter of it and stuff and everybody's like you go do that like you know not because they were afraid of me or, or any, I, god I hope not um but because they knew that yeah, it would it would be healthy for me that it would be great for this story it's such a magnificent thing yeah I know I come into work so much more fresh after you know when I am able to do that once a week so do you have a post-therapy ritual no I I should though I have kind of a pre-therapy ritual I um I go to it's like the one day I'm also trying like at the same time of starting therapy I started trying to do more exercise to like help myself. So oh, yeah. I go to like Pilates mm-hmm. and then when I get out of Pilates I go get a cup of coffee at this one coffee shop and yeah. I sit there for a few minutes and then I go to my to meet I, my therapist. I think that's such a good thing. Yeah. Like I I need a better ritual right now. I, I used to have like my post therapy sushi or like or with a different therapist like ramen and it was such a thing. Um, half the time I can't like I just have phone sessions or whatever because I can't make that time. In 2020, I'll, I'm trying to be better <laughs> that actually getting out for it. But yeah. really, it like helps everyone around you. And do people who you work with know that this is what you're doing? Is it something you talk about in the place? I didn't say it. It's funny I haven't said anything about it. I mean, I think people know I should because that's I think the you whole, just did. I 
Like, I know, totally. I I, um, I think that people have, like, the people who have access to my calendar have, like, started yeah. figuring out, they're like, why does Katie meet with this same person every yeah. week at the right. same time? Like, <laughs> right. they're not in our company. Who is this person? Right. So I think they've, like, started figuring that out. Um, but now I just shared it, which, but I should share it more personally. <laughs> well, you know, it's, there's, there's no should. It's just, like, whenever you feel capable of doing yeah. it. Because if it, you know, it's, it's a process. It's different it for everyone. I've just been loud about it for a long time. Yeah. So, and I know some people are not, they don't have the luxury of being able to say, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I had in a previous job, I got in trouble for talking about going to therapy. Wow. Yeah. My, my boss said, you know, I was leaving. I'm like, I'm going to therapy. And like, he, I got in trouble for this. And it was the most, uh, it, it's kind of when I decided to make a break with that job, mm. it was the most ridiculous thing. And uh, yeah, we have to absolutely normalize talking about this stuff because you and I have both seen what happens when people do not take care of this stuff. Even like, I think everybody, who, even people who seem like they have all their, you know, shit together. Like, I think mm. it's, um, you need, everybody needs somebody to be able to work through things that is not a family member or Mm -hmm. a friend because you just can't get the same perspective. Yeah. It's, yeah. And they're, they're this neutral party who's on your side, but but also like the outcome, the the outcome doesn't affect them in some particular way. So our PSA, go to therapy. But (laughs) you were saying like, even if you're not talking about at work, you are doing a lot of other things for your employee. And I want to, employees, and I want to talk about that because I think, a thing we run up against all the time, like in the conversations that I have with people both on this podcast and constantly off, is what does the longevity of this career look like to you? How do you find a sustainable way? There's People's knees and backs are not the same that they were in their 20s. People's finances and obligations are not the same that they were in their 20s. And I see more and more friends my age, like mid-40s and so, like trying to figure out like, okay, what is, what's either sometimes people are looking for an escape strategy and some people are looking for just what's the next phase or chapter of this. So you're working on this actively with the people who work for you. Yes, we are. You know, I think um, we're, we offer a lot. We've every year since we've opened, since we opened. What year was that? 2011. Congratulations. This is a huge stretch for, for a restaurant. Thank That's you. Wow, we've almost hit the decade wow. mark. So it's very wow. exciting. And since we started in that first year, we made a promise to ourselves that every year we would make one major change addition to our benefits and what we do for our employees. Yeah. We couldn't do it all at once because it's overwhelming. The finances, you don't know how much something's actually going to cost versus theoretically going to cost to offer, you know, paid time off or, or whatever it is. So we set goals, you know, and in our first year, it was like pay a living wage. You know, mm-hmm. it's like simple. It's like, <laughs> let's just keep the lights on. Let's pay right. a living wage. Year yeah. two, it was like paid time off. It was like year three. Um, I loved being forced into offering health insurance once we got big enough. I have to say I loved it. How many people? Um, We have now 120 employees. Oh, my goodness. I know. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) It's uh, our Cordite is a is a monster. It's amazing. Um, I mean, if people saw the food that I saw, the hands that must go into (laughs) making that. And that's in the whole, like the whole company, the bagel shop and Mm -hmm. the other restaurant and event space and, you know, spread out over everything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's it's great. And, you know, now we're, we're still, I I still don't think that we are. It's funny because we offer paid time off for all of our employees, sick time for managers, short-term disability for our managers, Mm -hmm. like, um, 
a really interesting health care plan where we actually pay 100% for a direct primary care. So direct, wow. I, I love direct primary care. I just have to say, like, what? It's, explain it. I don't so really know. So direct primary care is kind of a way of helping our messed up insurance <laughs> world. Yes. Um, so the employees and us, we contribute halfway, both of us, on a high deductible, like, base health insurance plan. Mm-hmm. But we all know that because those are affordable, but we all, for us and our employees, but we all know that, like, a high deductible plan. I, I just have a new one of that myself. <laughs> it just, it, 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 you, you know, get strep throat, you have to go to the doctor, you got to pay. Like, mm-hmm. and, and our employees do not have money in a savings bank to be able to, like, pay for things like that. So what we do is we couple that with a direct primary care membership, and they get to pick which one. Um, it's basically a clinic mm-hmm. um, of doctors, and they um, offer for a monthly fee mm-hmm. a base amount of medical services, all like sick care if mm-hmm. you get strep throat. If you – they'll do um, uh, broken – setting broken bones. They'll do x-rays. They'll mm-hmm. do sutures. They do like Amazing. a large set actually of – all of that care and they spend more time with their patients oh gosh like, and they're more personally available that is such a huge thing like, like the, texting 24 hours a day you know like the practice you need. oh the practice that I go to and you know I have to pay a membership fee for this but at the same time like my husband had gotten like a some sort of shot that he had a reaction to and he had this crazy fever and he was able to like video chat with a doctor via yes, this and not exactly. get out of bed to do this and, and we at that point we were like we are lucky lucky ass people to be right. able to have this thing yeah and because they get paid a monthly um membership you know they're mm-hmm. they're it for the I think for the doctors it works out well because yeah. they have money coming in right and they're not yeah. relying on the insurance company it's like separate from the insurance world and it's um I don't know I think it's amazing and we we also really believe that like we want our employees to take care of themselves so mm-hmm. we uh, that's a big part of that but then we also offer a wellness incentive which is basically like if you go to the doctor once your direct primary care mm-hmm. once a year and you get your teeth cleaned and you submit the forms, mm-hmm. we give them three hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'll hand you money if you do these two things. And it's um, it's, it's incredible helpful. that you are willing to do this. So, to talk about what that looks like. You have an HR department. How do you yes. structure this? We have an HR manager okay. who's amazing. She actually. She's only been working – she's been working for us – oh, gosh, is it a year or more than a year? I don't know. Time flies. I don't know if it's a year yeah. or two, but not too long. But she is making a huge impact on our company and our employees. Mm-hmm. She cares so much about their well-being. This She frequently is coming up with ideas. This, sum, this year she helped us implement – um, an anniversary recognition program where we pay every employee once they hit their anniversary a mm. bonus check, like whether you're hourly or a mm-hmm. manager or whatever. And then after ten, after like five years, it's like a large lump payment of like a thousand bucks. And after like That's ten amazing. years, after ten years, you get a trip to Spain. And we're like trying to like, <laughs> oh my gosh, trying to like, we really we we, we are trying to change our, you know, just how we care for our employees. Mm-hmm. And we also know that if they stay with us, that yeah. they'll see that continue to change and they'll only get more out of their job. Yeah, what does this retention rate look like? Well, you know, honestly, we've just implemented this okay. stuff. So right now it, we're on par with everybody else in yeah. the industry, which is not great. I mean, it's it's really 
I feel like people I know are really struggling to hire people because they they just need bodies and there are so many jobs available in yeah. this and for for uh, people who are really good at their jobs and even sometimes just people who are not so great at their jobs and willing to show up to work. I know. it's um, We have to figure out a way to make these, because at the same time, there's that, but then also all the restaurant owners and chefs complain about a labor crisis in the restaurant industry. Yeah. And you think, like, there's a shortage. I can't find it. Yeah, that's what They're I keep leaving. hearing. I know. Yeah. And, but then I think, well, of course there's a labor crisis. Like, if you were getting out of whatever, starting your career in your life, and you're mm -hmm. looking at your, the options that are open to mm -hmm. you, and you're looking at an industry that has been known for being mm -hmm. low-paying, zero benefits. Abusive as hell. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> abusive culture. Late nights so that you basically, like, can't see, can't, like, you know, family life is really mm -hmm. hard if you ever wanted to have kids, like how you juggled child care, you know. Why would you ever no, like jump think, into that for yes, a career? Exactly. <laughs> like I think like why you see all this, why would you want to go and do that? And and especially people who've been to cooking school, like why would you want to spend God knows six figures like on, uh, you know, going to culinary school and then go and work for minimum wage or less if it's like a tipped minimum wage right. state. Yeah. It's, like, um, <laughs> How do you make that look attractive? It's it's crazy, and uh, and I yeah. So that is why <laughs> I think that you know this stuff has to change. The other the other thing that our HR manager pushed us to do is she, we were having our um, sous chefs working and assistant managers and managers working mm -hmm. fifty hours a week, which isn't crazy. It was. That's, a, that's like, in the restaurant industry, that's practically like being halftime. <laughs> but, you know, she brought up and she said to me, she said, Katie, you really got to get them down to 40. Because, like, for people to mm -hmm. be able to have a balanced life, right. like, move, have kids, like, get home, do a normal, you know, whatever their mm -hmm. life is and have time to spend with their families and significant others and, mm -hmm. you know, um, friends that, working more than 40 is hard to do all that and especially if you're on a vampire schedule <laughs> right exactly so we um we're rolling that out this month um because she's been pushing us so hard and i feel we'd had to hire another ma an extra manager mm -hmm. in order to make it happen but i think it's worth it so <laughs> it's been an interesting thing to see how people are negotiating this around the world because for a while we saw like magnus nielsen doing this at favican mm -hmm. but then you know he's closing favican so mm -hmm. he can have more time and mm -hmm. it's you know if we're, we're in such an interesting age of you know people trying to f finally making the moves to really work out how to do this and make sure that people uh, you know s stay in the business but it's been really hard to find models where it actually does work for yeah. everyone so the so the owner and especially chef owner and front of house owners are not tearing their hair out, hair out at, over every single step right and like at you know it comes at a cost to someone this yeah. this this seems to a, a lot so i'm so grateful that you're putting in the time to figure out how this can work because i know you you're going to model this behavior for other people then yeah i am i am working really hard on that and i actually honestly like in Asheville, my since i had two children and we have multiple businesses how old is they? four and one little bitties little, 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 little tiny tiny bitties they're super sweet but you know i, I don't I, I, in Asheville, i have now that we have multiple businesses like I spend so much time just managing the businesses and yeah. like what's like being more of a business owner than I do actually cooking anymore. Yeah. And where does at, that feel for you? It's weird. It, yeah. um, I'm enjoying it though because I 
seeing it like you have to be able to you have to be able to move into the next step and then make room for others, mm-hmm. you know, to step up to fill your spot. And that feels that feels good to me actually. Mm-hmm. I don't I, I I couldn't keep going at, you know, working all nights and cooking like for forever. It just you yeah. sustainable for me. Personally. Yeah. Like I'm always so surprised to see those, you know, chefs who are like still on the line. Yeah. And and still doing that. Like how the hell? Like it must be something in them that's fueled. I mean, we saw our friend Bill Smith at at Crook's Corner like working there in the I kitchen know. stuff like through his uh, like mid 60s or or so because that's the kind of person he he is there's something in him that, you know, yes. needs and loves that rhythm and and he's so ingrained with his crew and stuff. But, you know, it's it's a rare person who can or wants to be in the thick of that forever. So right. so I ask a lot of people about next steps. But let's talk about the step that you are still currently on because you're not just planning the business and you're not just in the kitchen or just at home. You're out there speaking truth to power and you are working for causes yeah. and you spend a lot of your personal and professional capital on making sure that people are taken care of and that legislation is being passed to to make sure that there's a future for the industry and the, and the people in your state. Yes, and I, I think, you know, um, I, I, I try to share and shout and spread, you know, the, um, the things that are important to us and, mm-hmm. um, and you know, make it, to me, uh, accepting of people and all people is mm-hmm. like one of the most important things. It's easy to like really get riled up and passionate about. Yeah. So um, that's like one of the first Where things. Where you see injustice, right. you want to make it just. Yes. Yeah. You do. And you want to share very loudly and clearly your stance on on that injustice. So I think, you know, I, I think that's important. And that can be uh, risky for a business owner to step up and take a public uh, stance on something. Yes, absolutely. I think Yes. But you know what? Actually, I I disagree. Every okay. time I have done it, I have gotten way more positive okay. feedback than like you get like one, maybe one person, you know, yeah. who's you're and, and you know what? I'm willing to be like, I'm sorry if we disagree on this like <laughs> base human issue, humanity, like humane issue, mm-hmm. like then you don't have to come in. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can fire a customer. It's <laughs> it's okay to fire a customer. <laughs> yes. It's it's really like yeah. I I've I've been so heartened by I mean I shouldn't be surprised by this at all I'm kind of not because uh, people in the food industry are some of the best and most generous souls I know on the planet because you're in the business of feeding people and making them feel at home and warm and good so it it doesn't it shouldn't surprise me that uh, people are so invested in going to you know speak on Capitol Hill and all this kind Mm -hmm. of, of, of stuff because of course you're taking care of everybody else but at the same time small business is hard yeah and yeah yeah, that's a big and risky I would love to do more of that like I, I, um, I went and spoke out um, um, about SNAP and like trying to make mm-hmm. sure we were keeping um, funding in that area. Mm-hmm. And uh, where have we landed on that at this point? Um, you know, I, I think things are still like in. Um, they keep trying to sort of hide. Yes, cuts. <laughs> yes, in other areas. So it's not. Um, but so I, I did that. But honestly, there are so many other issues, and yeah. I. Um, I would love to 
dedicate more of my time yeah. to doing that. You would have to have a clone. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and there are um, uh, there are chefs who are doing a lot more than I am, I feel like, in that area. I just, just something you're doing, about You're that. doing plenty. <laughs> you really are. Yeah. Well, thank you. No, and I appreciate it because it's something you don't have to do. I mean, I know you, for you personally, like, mm-hmm. you know you have to do it, but, like. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I yes. just note that it is appreciated. It is seen. It is, it is appreciated. Thank you. So let's go back to the bagel shop. So we got, our, like, I drove you into a Jersey tangent yes. here. But you decided to open because it's not like you didn't have a ton on your plate and you decided to open another business, a bagel shop, a year ago. And that was purely like a um, passion thing. (laughs) I'm passionate about bagels. (laughs) Well, it was, I I did it very like selfishly. So I've been, um, you know, having grown up in the Northeast Mm -hmm. and then moved back to the Southeast and, and, you know, in, and I, I am a, I love biscuits, right? But like they're. (laughs) You know, I was missing. I've been suffering in silence for years. <laughs> Talk to me, Katie. Please, maybe we'll tear up here. About, about not being able to get yeah. a good bagel. A good bagel. Is, there's nothing else like it. So we created the Button and Cubby Bagel Shop because I wanted to um, have a casual breakfast, right. lunch, <laughs> counter service thing. And I also wanted to make everything from scratch, like myself. Like, I'm oh like my if I'm going to go into something like this, I want to, like, do it all. Were so, you always a masochist? Is yes, this, yes, okay. my entire life. So, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, I actually, part of my journey, I ended up, I studied chemical engineering in college oh, wow. because somebody told me that was, like, the hardest major. <laughs> so I, Katie Button, will, right, of course. Will do whatever is least advised. So, um, <laughs> But, um, yeah, it, it's and it's been great. I love having this little uh, place. How was that? By the, the, so the chemical engineering, how has that informed you as a chef? Um, it just means that I'm really good at uh, <laughs> writing protocols and recipes. So yeah. putting things in a way that is reproducible by mm-hmm. staff so that it comes out the same way every time I – is my jam because I was going to ask about your R and D for the bagel because that is a yeah. that is a difficult thing and people will let you know oh you, yes <laughs> yes it. and I think there are so many New York expats oh, in Asheville yeah. so I'm sure you have rather a rabid audience there they you know I think people are just really thrilled and happy about it and we've instead of just doing New York style bagels, we've mm. like woven Appalachian culture into our bagels. Oh, how was, okay, so talk about that. So we, um, first of all, when we were developing the bagel recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted to use some local flour from Carolina ground, but I learned mm-hmm. when I was doing it that the big reason that the Southeast is biscuit country and not known for mm-hmm. sourdough bread and bagels mm-hmm. is because the type of wheat that grows there that doesn't have as much winter, gluten. That's soft winter exactly. wheat. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it is lower in gluten <laughs> quantity, right? So it's um, – which is not good for bagels, right? But great right. for biscuits. So, so do you have to import the flour? So I get um, – yeah, we get the – we get a high gluten – organic high gluten flour from, um, from a, another company. And then we blend it with um, some of this local southern flour oh. to bring in flavor from Carolina Ground is, is the flour miller in Asheville. And um, we weave that into the bagels. But then we also – so typically – 
in New York style bagels, they use barley malt syrup for in the bagel and then also in the boil. And um, that's what actually makes the bagels like shiny when you bake them. And then in Montreal, they use honey. So we tried, I tried like a bunch of different things and we landed on using sorghum syrup because of the where we How are. How very Southern and, of you. <laughs> and, and just, you know, I mean, it makes sense with the story of Western North Carolina and um, where we're located. So um, we wove that in. And then in our, you know, cream cheeses and like we have like a, a Bake a pimento cheese bagel sandwich. Oh and God, that sounds—you just said so many words that I love all together that I've never heard together before. It's delicious. And then we make like ramp cream cheese every spring mm. when there when we have ramps. Oh my God, because where you are is. <laughs> Because, you know, everyone, ramps have, have had this viral life. Yes. And where they've become this thing and, and sort of like, no, these are just our, our thing that we've always, always had. You were, right. the, you were there before they were cool, man. Right, exactly. exactly. And then we pickle the bulbs and put them on our, like, um, house-made Gravlox plate. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's, it's fun to weave the local culture into the bagel shop. So I really love that. And I also really love that Appalachian food is, I feel like there's finally some recognition that is happening yes. because some people have been campaigning so hard just tirelessly like you have Travis Milton Travis uh, is amazing oh yes. my gosh Ronnie Lundy yes. like just all these uh people who have been the carriers of Appalachian culture, black, white, just everybody, you know, coming right. to, it, it's really such a special tradition that because of, uh, classism and racism and all sorts of other factors has been looked down on yeah. for such a long time and it's such incredible food that honors the earth in such a very particular way. And I've been learning, I'm still learning about Appalachian food because I'm not from that mm -hmm. area, you know, I don't have mm -hmm. this like history rich with stories of family mm -hmm. and recipes and things so, but it, you're surrounded, I mean in Asheville you're just surrounded by it and yeah. so it's been really fun for me to learn Learn um, little bits and pieces about the traditions of the area and the food food ways. Yeah, I would have to say Canaris, Sean Brock from there too. <laughs> oh man, yeah. yes, yes. And I just feel like what's happening in Asheville is so exciting because um, um, Ashley Shanti and is yeah, she's uh, it's with Ben. A. I have Eagle, not yeah. been to Ben a yet, and like that's next on my next time I go and see my folks. You I, need to do it because she seems like she's, she's doing such she special special stuff, and it just feels like Asheville is having this really incredible boom. And she, she is. She's doing amazing things. And actually talking about it is reminding me that I need to reach out to her just to connect on like a level of like, you know, what do you need? I'm here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Let me help you. Let's talk. And, and, she, and she's another partner there who's, who's working, another woman whose name escapes me right now, but who is, is uh, also. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I think there are some okay. people, but I just, I just think she's, she's awesome. so special and cool and it's just really Really, really fun to see people yes. discover what, what she's doing there. Yeah. So you're doing this, and meanwhile, you're um, we uh, you're taking all of this. You have a million jobs, and you're coming to New York for you've been here since uh, Thanksgiving. We're recording yes. this in uh, mid January, so you've been here for a while. Yeah, yeah, seven, six, seven weeks, I think. And yeah. you had the family here for a while. They were here for all the way from Thanksgiving through until January fifth, and then they they went back. We brought our two kids, my um, Felix, my husband, and our nanny, so that Felix could also help in the mm -hmm. restaurant in the front of house side of things. And yeah, let's explain where awesome. where you were cooking, where you have been. Uh... So yes, yeah, so I've been. A, um, holding a residency at the chef's club in, um, uh, in Manhattan. And it's basically just 
we brought Curate up to New York and have been mm-hmm. running nightly service um, Monday through Saturday, and it's been awesome. It's been a lot of work, of course, because mm-hmm. like coming up and training a staff how to execute execute your food, mm-hmm. and then I'm I'm there every night to mm-hmm. um, make sure that everything's running well, and you know it's long days, and but very much worth it and fun to be able to bring who we are and our food up to New York and see people who we normally wouldn't be able to see when we're in Asheville. That's such an incredible thing. Like, and a chef's club is just, it's a really cool way of doing this because we get the benefit of like having people from out of town who aren't usually cooking in New York. Sometimes people use it as an incubator for the thing they want to do next. Remember Mm -hmm. JJ Johnson used it as a launch pad uh, for, for what he was doing and and what became field trip eventually. Like it's awesome. Yeah. It's been a really, really uh, cool thing to be able to do. And do you find it like, as a chef, as a creative, that being somewhere other than your daily routine helps you refresh what you're thinking about? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think on all of our dishes, we looked at like the plating and preparation with like new eyes. It was in a different space and, you know, and and also just what our menu looks like as well. And so mm-hmm. I'm excited I do feel re-energized about going back to Asheville and looking at Corte and its menu and making some changes off yeah. of the experience that we've had, which which is great. So how do you set it up then with the people um, on your team who, when you decide to make a change or like, you know, and, or, you know, uproot and go elsewhere when, you know, you and Felix are, are both here, how do you set that up? How do you empower the people to say like, okay, you got this show now? Like, like, how does that happen? Um, you know, you just do it. Like, Mm -hmm. I actually think, I mean, it's been it's been wonderful. Like yeah. I think there's something about leaving that all of a sudden you see, the, you know, and I, honestly, I think it's because when I am there, I am such a, I'll just do it kind of person yeah. about things. Yeah. That by being that way, I'm actually limiting people from being yeah. able to step in, step in above their role or, mm-hmm. or up into a role. And, you know, it, it, it's been fun to see, all these things that I maybe used to be doing, like even mm-hmm. writing, I was like writing the schedule at the bagel shop to try to, because I was trying, it's a new business. I'm trying to keep a handle on labor. I want to be like personally involved in what that looks like and mm-hmm. what the scheduling looks like and how that works. And then when I left, it was like all of a sudden my team just started doing it without me even asking them. I was mm-hmm. even planning on still doing it from New York. Right. Right. Which is really silly. I and, swear, I have so many um, chef friends who, you know, they're in New York, they're away from their restaurant, and I see them looking at their phone. I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, looking in the kitchen on an app. I'm like, <laughs> dude, come on. Like, let it go. Yes. Um, yeah, actually, it's been, it's been wonderful. And we are fortunate to have amazing managers working for us who want to move, want autonomy. They, they mm-hmm. really crave it, and they do a great job at it. That's a really, really cool thing. And, the, you know, and the thing is, is that people are going to make mistakes. Oh, yeah. You know? and the, but, you know, you have to make mistakes to then not make them again. And it's okay. You know, you work through them and um, learn from them. And that's yeah. part of growth. How do you address a mistake? If somebody, uh, you know, screws up during service, screws up, a, you know, a dish, something like that. Like, what's, how do you do that? I, <clears throat> I actually usually, in the moment, mm-hmm. I just fix the it's like fix the problem, mm-hmm. you know? So um, it's like, okay, do this. Mm-hmm. And then after 
it's fixed. Mm -hmm. Then it's having a conversation about why the mistake happened and the what. And I think it depends on there's there are all different kinds of mistakes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> and and you know I it's but in the end we are we um I never let things get too crazy um or out of control mm-hmm. in my mind. I, it's not who I am and mm-hmm. it's not how I like to talk to people because in the end we are just cooking food like it's not right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's it, yeah. You know people's lives are not. I mean besides as long as you're following you know health department protocols right. people's lives long, are so fine. long as no I'm one like, goes yeah. anaphylactic we're good. We're, <laughs> we're good um so you know i think understanding that and like relaxing a little bit and then also the thing that i also try to make sure my staff knows is like mistakes are okay um as long as you learn from them, you know when yeah. mistakes become a problem is when they're repeating you know right it's, but the first time or even the second time if you haven't learned like and you make a mistake, like it's not, you mm-hmm. know, like it's understandable. Yeah. So, how do you deal then with somebody who something isn't necessarily a mistake, but you see that somebody's having a problem? Yeah, um, that's a tough one. That yeah. is, you know, you have like it is. It is true because lots of times when people aren't performing in their role in a job, it's because there's something else going on. Yeah, or they're just unhappy, or maybe they don't like their job. You know, mm-hmm. or or they have something in their personal life or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And a lot of times that can turn into mistakes or underperformance mm-hmm. um, at work. And I think sitting down and having those honest conversations where you're like, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. You know, are you okay? And then and being willing to just listen, I think is the most important. And what's the best, and I, you know, I'm saying this so people can learn from, from what you've done. Like, what is the best way to do that? Do you take a walk? Do you, do people come into the office? Like, how do you, what is the physicality of this conversation? I mean, I think you need someplace private. So sometimes Mm -hmm. that's like, you know, walking in the out back in our like parking lot area that we have out there, which Mm -hmm. sometimes you can get out. I think it depends on the situation. Um, The office is often the most convenient, you know, because you're, you're, you're there, but, and usually, you know, I I try to have those conversations like at the end of their day. Cause that'll screw up a whole day. I mean, they already know that they're totally. And, and lots of times then it like, it's it's funny because you can feel a cert, you can feel that like a certain employee's performance is happening mm-hmm. because of a reason in your mind you're creating those reasons right like yeah. you just start doing that but then when you have that I think it's really important to have the conversation not just for the employee yeah but for the manager yeah because as soon as you like open up the door you start to understand them more as a person yeah and they understand that you care about them as a person and not just an employee. I feel like these one-to-one conversations, we're all so afraid of being awkward. Like people think that somehow, you know, awkwardness is the worst thing that can happen. And I think so long as we're willing to have that moment and be really personal with somebody and just say like, you know, human to human, I give a crap about you. Like what's really going on? That is a really tremendous thing. And I know that, you know, could bring this out to a broader thing of like, you know, because of social media, nobody actually talks to each other uh, kind of thing. But I do think it's becoming a rarefied thing these one-on-one interactions where we really get to look at somebody and talk with them and say like I see you as a person and not just words on a screen it's a difficult thing and then sharing you know I think also what you can do is share something similar like why you like mistakes that you've made you know like I like I, I have found that the more that I share with 
yeah the world and my public about how, and, and my employees about mm-hmm. mistakes that I've made or how I'm feeling and be willing to be vulnerable about that that the more that I do that the the better um, it's a gift you know what they say like vulnerability is a gift like yeah. giving that kind of thing and now that you've told the world th- th- about therapy and stuff like <laughs> totally. that is a gift to yeah. there is somebody who's you know might be listening to this or somebody who is on your team who is going to hear that and be like oh wait you know Katie said she goes to therapy maybe it's something that I can do too it doesn't make me weak it doesn't make me crazy it doesn't make me any of these things it's just going to the gym for my yeah. brain yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm most proud of about the uh, was about taking the step to to go to therapy because yeah. I oh it's, it's so like, hard it is yeah it's mechanically hard because you have to identify a therapist to go to figure out how to pay for it right. figure out the time to do it yeah. and then figure out if you're not comfortable with talking to people about telling them where you're going or yes but also feeling like if you feel if there's like a certain way that you're feeling that, that that's what you need at that moment in life you know yeah. like I made this decision the day Felix left town to go to a um, a four week uh, tour. He was gone for four weeks mm-hmm. doing traveling tours in Spain that we do mm-hmm. through our trips. And it was funny. It was the middle of the afternoon on a Sunday, and the moment and I was home with both kids, and mm-hmm. I said bye to him, and he got in the car and like drove to the airport. And the minute that I said bye to him, and he walked out the door, I felt this like overwhelming sense of sadness yeah and it was like the middle of the afternoon I'm like looking at my kids I'm like what is going on because I was feeling overwhelmed and alone you know it's physical too yeah like that's the thing I think that people don't understand always or if they haven't been in that space or they haven't let themselves put the dots together yeah. that it has such a physical effect I know I get exhausted I know yeah. my body hurts totally. I know that I feel like there's a fog coming over me or you know the sort of opposite of that if it's not the depression thing if it's the anxiety thing that my body won't stop and yeah. the physicality of it is so intense and if you're there and you're trying to take care of the kids and they kids pick up on it <laughs> yes and then you're not taking as good care of yourself you t- I, at least for yeah. me it usually turns into i end up staying up later than oh, i should oh god and, like, I, you know, I stay up till four i think like yeah. i do this whole thing where i think like oh i haven't done enough today to justify my existence on the planet so i have to do work i have to right. do whatever yeah. Yeah. or there's always one more Netflix. Right, exactly. <laughs> totally. And then you feel yeah, like shit absolutely. the next day because yeah. you haven't slept. And, <laughs> and it just it just continues. So so what does your <laughs> sleep look like? Like, how, are you good at sleep? I um, I am okay. I am okay at sleep. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm like, I, I, once I'm asleep, I'm like, okay, I'm good. good. I'm good at sleep. Yeah. But I do, I do have trouble falling asleep and I have trouble making the decision that, like, oh, that's smart. Like, you know, okay, there, I need to be in bed for like nine hours. I need that much time and, yeah. you know, um, to feel really, really good. But oftentimes I'm not hitting that. <laughs> oh my God. Over, it's my own personal. Over the past year, I, you know, I finally listened to all of those Every expert, every podcast or whatever, they're like, you know, make your bedroom into this like temple yeah. of sleep. And we got this uh, this sound machine that I was yes. staying at the Zero George Hotel. I had like one night there. I was like in Charleston mm-hmm. for, for something. I somehow got upgraded to this incredible suite. And there was this machine in it. Amazing. 
oh my God, I had the best sleep that I had in ages. Um, and this machine, you adjust it to, I swear they are not sponsoring this podcast. Please, please, Sound Plus Sleep Adaptive Technology right. sponsor this podcast because they talk about you all the time. It is this thing and you can adjust these nature sounds and how reactive That's it is. Awesome. The genius thing about it is that if there's a noise, it sort of rises up to oh, mask no the way. noise. So if somebody in the relationship is snoring, uh, sometimes it it's me, sometimes it's me. Yes. Uh, so Or if a bus goes by or whatever it is. So I have those and I have two uh, humidifiers. My husband, I have that like one on his side of the room and one on mine. And oh my God, it's helped so much. My sound machine is the only way I've been surviving sleeping in Brooklyn. Like in in an old building that when somebody walks upstairs, it like creaks with like every step. And I swear I'm, I'm like staying below somebody who's paces at like two in the morning oh my god our neighbors were moving for something was happening late last night like really man really (laughs) but this particular one is adaptive and it's such a great thing i also do travel with a little one (laughs) as well it's such a good thing but just to get back to the decision to go to therapy thing you and i are both you know uh, privileged middle-class white women totally. and if it's hard for us to do this stuff holy hell is it hard for yes. you know people who didn't grow up with either a culture that supports therapy yeah. or the money or you know, there's you know all different factors that keep them from going to therapy so you know I find a lot of what I have to do is like find places for people to go that are free or, or no cost yeah. so. we we offer like an, an employee assistance program yeah. you know which um does that yeah. you know for a certain number of free sessions a year and you know anyone in your household can go and you know mm-hmm. it, I think that that is and I encourage people all the time to go and and talk about it but um it, it's true that y- you have to get to something more permanent that's just temporary yeah there's the and, bridge thing and, and then how do you move I there are often times that I think about the things that I find challenging in mm-hmm. life and then I think about how much more challenging um, that would be for somebody who walks in a different pair of shoes, you know? And um, like having children and and being a chef and and a business, having two kids, like I have been able to make that happen because I am my boss and I have flexibility and I'm like able to make this life work for myself. Mm -hmm. I can also afford a nanny. So therefore having to deal with non-traditional work hours is not a, an issue for me. But yeah. I think about how does that work for somebody who doesn't have all of that, you know, one of my employees even, you know. I mean, people and, who go into the service industry are not usually from wealthy backgrounds, wealthy right. privileged backgrounds or anything like that. It might be from more uh, marginalized or vulnerable populations. So getting people it's finding therapy for for people is so that's it's a yes. you know it's really important i think and you and i both do a lot of talk in the talk it's and it's it's the walk in the walk is it's i think so many people are still working on that. like how do we actually get people to these resources to do this it's such a hard thing and yeah. if anybody has any uh, you know uh, thoughts about this i want to hear you know want to hear any suggestions i know that like the the people from the giving kitchen it, yes, they are say awesome. things about them. They figured out some things in Georgia about how to get emergency funds uh, to mm-hmm. people, but state by yeah. state, there are so many barriers yeah. to this. And I know North Carolina has been a pretty challenging state on a whole lot of fronts. My yeah. entire um, in-law, like all of my in-laws uh, live in North Carolina, so I'm 
pretty intimately acquainted with a lot of the stuff going on there, and there are some barriers to a lot of things. Yes, and the um, the Giving Kitchen is, is amazing. We had all of our managers take their um, suicide training program. It's which an incredible thing. Awesome. I, I took it myself, and I loved it. Um, it surprised me, like, when I took that training because I thought – Wow, I I did not know that the most powerful thing you can do is ask somebody. Yes. And just be totally upfront about it. Like, are you thinking about committing suicide? Like, yes. that, are you thinking about suicide or whatever the yeah. – I can't remember. It's been a while since yeah. the training. It's, I don't know the exact phrase. Yeah, but. I mean, I've <laughs> done some of this training uh, as well, and it's, it's shocking to have to ask somebody that, but putting it into those words – you know, it, it snaps the brain into reality. If somebody's having these vague thoughts or very specific thoughts, it's like, oh, yes, I have to confront this now. And right. it, it's such an incredible release valve. So for people who want to learn about this um, escalation technique or de-escalation technique, um, it's really powerful. So the Giving Kitchen has these these resources available. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, crisis text line. I just want to give them a shout out, as I often do, because I've, t- I've taken their, their crisis counselor training and worked as a crisis counselor there. And somebody's there 24-7. You text 741-741. And it's quiet, which is a, a really great thing. So for people who are in situations where they couldn't, where it would be dangerous for them to be heard talking on the phone to someone, you can text with somebody there and they will respond and either they'll stay with you and they'll keep you safe, but they, um, they, they do this incredible training and they have you That's ask awesome. people like, are you thinking about uh, killing yourself? And then wow. sort of escalating from there to, wow. but, but the, the same kind of training to do. And it's so right. valuable. Yes. And you yes. never know who or when you're going to need it with. Right. That is such a powerful thing. Yes. And I just remembered from my training that committing suicide is not the correct terminology. <laughs> like yeah. Died by, it, died by suicide is the, yes. the sort of way for yes. people who are – and it's it's interesting. They've been trying to get people in the news to change it. So it's right. – you know, uh, there are various ways to say it and stuff, yeah. but you know, if it, if it gets you to where you need to go in the moment and you forget it, it's, you know, yeah. asking the question totally. is what's is important in, is what is important. Yeah. But so with all of this, um, stuff you've been, been doing, how you do change it up every year, all this, you know, and you're, you're thinking, you give yourself these deliberate points of inflection and reflection, like where you're thinking about like, okay, uh, we're going to switch it up. Here's what we're going to do. What is the biggest lesson that you have learned through all the time you've been doing this? What is the the most helpful thing that you have learned and that has really changed the way that you operate, either as a human or as a business person? Honestly, I think that the, 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 the biggest thing that I have learned is that um, if I can share my own, like, shortcomings, mm-hmm. you know, that all of a sudden that opens up a dialogue and conversation about whatever the topic is mm-hmm. that is more positive and real and calm mm-hmm. than um, than if I'm j- trying to like make points you know like yeah. I don't know I, I found there's something really powerful to sharing your own shortcomings and maybe that's in reaction to social media and the fact that we're all posting these beautiful perfect oh, lives God, yeah. you know <laughs> no and I'm at fault I'm I'm at fault for that too but occasionally I muster up the courage to <laughs> share something I think you're really good about it thank you it's like a failure or you know like I I whether it's simple like cooking something that turned out really bad <laughs> or like you know so that people understand that yes 
I'm a chef and it looks like all these things are happening mm-hmm. in my life and they're unfolding really easily. But in reality, <laughs> I've had the same problems. It is a gift yeah. <laughs> you, you, like to see that from people who, you know, we all think of as successful and all this kind of stuff. It is, it is a gift you're giving. So I appreciate yeah. that. Speaking of, you do all of these things for all these other people, for causes, for the people who work with you, for the people in your life. What is, and so, so this is like the Oprah moment, where because we're saying this out to the world, so maybe somebody listening to this can help you get to this place. What is the thing you want for yourself, the selfish thing, selfish in a good way? What is the thing you want for yourself? I want to balance my work and more time with my kids. And yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think, so... This the experience working at the Chef's Club has been mm-hmm. amazing because I've really loved like getting back in it and mm-hmm. doing it. But but you know I'm back working not every day, but most days twelve hours a day. I come in at eleven and I finish at eleven. And like I um and I work nights. And so when my kids were up here in December, you know um I would get up in the morning because I was getting home late and then mm-hmm. eating dinner and like doing that nighttime thing wow. where you like then go to bed and then you wake up in the morning. And then I'd say goodbye to my kids and like leave and then be gone all day. Right. And um, I um, I don't want that, you yeah. know. And uh, and I am can be am ambitious for short zaps of time. <laughs> and I am I've actually maybe I'm too ambitious because I also haven't been doing a great job at this overall. But I've got to figure out how to say no and how to pick and choose the stuff that and make my life the way that I want to live it because we do only have one. So it's, uh, and it's cliche, but it's true. No, <laughs> I, anybody who can help Katie figure this out, please do. She gives so much to so many people. Uh, yeah. That's, that's the main conversation with my, with my therapist is how to, you know, do what I want to do and not do what I think everybody else wants me to do. Yeah. And I have a feeling that when uh, the more you figure this out, the more you figure out you're going to do it in a way that ends up benefiting other people <laughs> because that's just how you roll and how you'll be happy with yourself. And Hopefully. so now Hopefully. I have some questions that I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. All right, speed round. I'm ready. Have you ever cried in the walk-in? Uh, wine cellar, not walk. <laughs> okay. Are you comfortable telling the story of why you cried? <laughs> yes, it was our opening uh, night at um, at Corte, and I just did not feel prepared. Um, I hadn't had enough experience at mm-hmm. that time, I and mean, we we just opened a restaurant, and I had been nothing higher than a line cook. We just wanted to do it, like <laughs> wow. you know. So it was. It wasn't that I came and worked for years. Yes, I worked in some awesome places, but I didn't have that. So. So it was uh, so I had this like meltdown of like, I can't do this. I'm not ready. Everything's going to fall apart. Um, And then I just like pulled myself together and went upstairs and made it. Was anybody present? Just you. No, and the, it was just me. you and the wine. <laughs> you and the Chateau Neuf de Pop. Or actually a Spanish wine. <laughs> right, you and the exactly. Rioja. <laughs> exactly. Just me. So. Oh, my gosh. Um, my colleague Meg Soul uh, wants me to ask people, I love this, what is your go-to cookbook? What is an old one? What is a new one? So um, uh, the Dean and DeLuca book is my old <gasps> what? one. Tell. It is awesome. I have to say, I um, every single recipe I make from that book is perfect. Like I wow. just, it's uh, yeah. There's going to be I a could. run on this on Amazon. <laughs> Luca is no longer with us. I know, and the the cookbook is like is just. I mean, it's just. I don't know. It, all the recipes are perfect. It's not. It's not my 
go-to, like, simple, fast family dinner Mm -hmm. cookbook. I mean, you can find those recipes in there, but it's more like my advanced, like, I'm going to make a giant pot of bolognese or I'm going to, like, you know, braise, like, this and then put it in the freezer and have it and, like, take the time to make it and follow this recipe that might take a little while, but then the end result is amazing. Oh, I love that. And is there a new cookbook, like, in the past year or that is coming up that you're just like, yes? I, you know, I've been really enjoying reading cookbooks about Appalachian food. Yes, Ronnie's. Yes, is is wonderful and... And um and also you know Sean Brock's cookbook. Oh, it, I, it's spectacular! I can't even. I I I love it so much. And I just like look through those to get ideas and learn about the culture mm-hmm. and other stories because, as I said, I don't. I'm not. Well, I live there and I'm mm-hmm. surrounded by it. You know, I don't have that history of family tradition. Um, so I'm I'm. I learn it reading other people's work, which is fun. Yeah, and there are some really historic ones. The Foxfire Book of Eklund. Mm. Oh, my God. I don't have that one. I'm going to get it. Oh, my God. It is an extraordinary uh, cookbook. It's such a beautiful thing. Oh, that's such a great list of cookbooks. I love that. Um, I'm trying. Oh, what is the hardest job in a restaurant? Oh, gosh. There's a... I mean, they're all hard. I think washing the dishes, though, is the hardest job in the restaurant. Like 90% of people have said that. (laughs) Yeah. Particularly in tapas. I mean, the volume of dishes that go through are... It's insane. It didn't even occur to me when I asked you that question. Like, yes, of course, that would be... It's insane. And and also, it it takes a special person to... I mean, all jobs have monotony at a certain Mm -hmm. level, but you have to really, like love just doing the work and I'm and but the whole thing doesn't work without that yeah role you know so um it's anyway have you had to step into the dish pit not anymore but I did in the beginning yeah Yeah. there were there were times I mean in the (laughs) beginning you're doing everything when you're first Mm -hmm. opening a restaurant I mean you're cleaning the fryer you're mopping the floor you're doing the dishes you're like literally doing everything now I now you know it ripples down right so like my sous chefs might have to step in now and do that but you know it like the the role who fills in and you know jumps in to help changes just because I'm I'm also not there as much as I used to be in the beginning. Oh my god, <laughs> it's yeah. Everybody says that or host stand is. Really, oh, really, that also. Gosh, I cannot I, dealing with entitled people personalities. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it's hard. You know, I think in, what's cool about the restaurant industry is you you get both the highs and the lows. You mm-hmm. get like the people who are just so excited and they're willing. You know and and then you do have to deal with learning how to turn somebody around when they haven't oh, had God. a great experience. It can be challenging. <laughs> that is a lot. Yeah. What's your comfort food? I think we established it as bagels. But <laughs> I know. Exactly. You know, um, I don't know. I Bagels, yes, I do. That's something. But um, – Lasagna? It mm. might just be something like Okay, this. it's in the zeitgeist right now. <laughs> it's been declared like various news outlets, a year of lasagna. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that is so funny. Like, yeah, it's a thing. Anna Hazel wrote this incredible, she and like the, the staff of Taste like wrote this incredible lasagna. I didn't even know that. Oh my God, it came out last That's year. It's so awesome. good. Oh. But I, you're, you're right on. <laughs> <laughs> right on trend, lasagna. <laughs> what is the last meal that you had that made you emotional? You know, I had this amazing experience at Olmsted while we were here. Oh, God, yeah. Um, we went they for, are lovely they people. They are lovely people. And we went for a brunch, and 
um, brought some friends of ours, and we had this amazing brunch. But then afterwards, mm-hmm. because it was a beautiful day mm-hmm. um, in December, like <laughs> it, we're it getting still, those it was a beautiful day. <laughs> they happen occasionally. Um, for dessert, they brought us in the back. It was a cold, chilly day, but mm. beautiful. And um, we went to their back garden mm-hmm. um, uh, that is now – it's winter, so I wasn't quite sure, like, how mm-hmm. that was going to work. They had s'mores. <gasps> like, we cooked oh. s'mores over these teeny, tiny little, like, little. coal um, – little, like, fires, you know. And it was uh, – I, I was there – the people visiting us were from Spain so mm-hmm. I got to teach a bunch of Spaniards oh my God. <laughs> there's this there's this video of me like speaking oh Spanish my. trying to explain to Spaniards like how to properly I want to see this because they'd is... never they'd never seen it before so. oh my god is that on social somewhere <laughs> I, I don't know if I've shared it yet but I, I'm going to please do week, we so, will we will invest that. great and is this the cold medicine talking or is there a turtle that lives back there in the backyard oh, I don't know I didn't I meet think, the turtle I think there had maybe no, it's probably well. hibernating actually. they're very well but for some reason I'm thinking it could also be the cold medicine. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is the last meal that somebody made for you in their home? Though I ask this and I realize I promised to cook dinner for you. And Did you? I, totally, <laughs> I think I we may like. have both been tipsy when I, I think was. probably. So. Um, you know, I have some uh, dear friends in Asheville who mm-hmm. uh, cooked dinner for us um, in their home. Mm-hmm. Before. Actually, no, they cooked Thanksgiving dinner for us here. That's oh, the meal. Wow, that wow, I, wow. So they came up to New York um, and we were here working that whole first mm-hmm. week getting ready to open the residency at the Chef's Club. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really exciting, but I was super busy and couldn't do Thanksgiving. Right. And um, they invited us and our kids over to an apartment that they had rented in Brooklyn just for the week of Christmas. Cause oh. they, they, and they yeah. cooked the whole thing, and it was awesome. And I just sat there and enjoyed myself. Oh, my gosh. And usually people won't cook for chefs. Which uh, is the way, actually, yeah. why I asked that question, people are afraid to cook for people in the restaurant industry. They just want to be fed. Totally. Make a can it's of like, soup. It's fine. I actually think it's really nice to um, sit in somebody's home and eat a dinner um, I cooked do cooked by them and um somebody recently asked me in new york like do you want to go out or do you want to come to our house i was like please can i just go to your yeah. house <laughs> oh my gosh because well how long are you here because i still owe you because I, oh, I did promise yeah. to cook for you until february 1st okay we, we got we got some time good, good 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 yeah. i'm excited about this I'm, i'll make you some s'mores on Perfect. the grill <laughs> so what uh living musician who you have not gotten to cook for would you want to cook for and what would you make for them? Oh, man. Th- these questions are tough. Um, People tend to get hung up on this one. That's Yeah. You know, I think probably because unless you're really um, in, you know, you're like really in the music world mm-hmm. or, or like I, I'm so hyper-focused in my area mm-hmm. that I don't, I'm trying to think who – who that would be. Like what tape did you wear out in high school? Or like what CD? Or I know. <laughs> like what is that thing? I um, actually I listened to a lot of Modest Mouse in high school. Oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Oh. Early, early Modest Mouse. I, I did. I loved that. So and um, I would say Archers of Loaf, but I actually got to cook. Oh, for, you did? Yes. Eric Bachman. So I got to cook for him uh, at Curate when we opened and have since seen them like a couple of times mm-hmm. because actually they're from um, North Carolina, so there's so many good North Carolina bands yes, out there. Yes, <laughs> that's that's why I was thinking like you must have so, so many either of those would be, would be <laughs> I would cook for Eric again or you know that's so. that's really cool. Have a Modest Mouse, whoever is in the band at the time. I think it's weird that like Johnny Marr sometimes decides he's a member of Modest Mouse oh, and like yeah. play with them. For, <laughs> yeah. Like it just kind of blows my mind. Exactly. 
So, final question. You have five uninterrupted minutes for self-care. What do you do? I would read a book. That's Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I would read a book. What are you reading right now? Nothing. Because I would love to. Because you, <laughs> you know, don't have- I, That's like what I want to do. I am not – you know what I'm – currently what I do is I – like – at the end of work, my routine mm-hmm. is I come home, mm-hmm. I have a beer, and I fix myself some dinner, and I watch something on Netflix. But mm-hmm. honestly, I am feeling like I need to turn the screen off. Like, you know, like, like there's something <laughs> oh, like, yeah. like reading a book is – it's it's I think it's easier to put down, go to bed, like yeah. stay in your routine mm-hmm. uh, versus, I don't know, like – watching something bright you know yeah all the time so I maybe that's a 2020 resolution <laughs> I'm I'm here read with three you. times a week so I'm here <laughs> with you on that. oh my gosh thank you so much thank, thank you. you for taking your time and being here and so if people want to find you on social yes it's um chef Katie button so on all channels okay and f- until for the next few weeks they can find you at chef's club yes but, and then in Asheville they can find you at Corte yes. Yes. and at button and Co bagels and they can you have a book right yes we have a, co- have a cookbook the Corte cookbook so you can absolutely find me there so <laughs> right and at your local book distributor whatever yes. your, your indie folks are you know super great and could yeah. use your help and I know you have a lot of great um bookstores in Asheville are there anywhere like people could buy autographed copies or anything um we sell them at the restaurant and then um in, in Corte we mm-hmm. also sell um those online as well on mm-hmm. our website so you can grab them there you can also get them at the Chef's Club right now while I'm here. And I bet and Kitchen Arts and Letters has it. Go to those yes, good, good people. Yes. Malaprops in Asheville is another great independent oh, bookseller. You know what? I had such a brief time in Nashville and I made a point of going to Malaprops. Oh, what a great bookstore. Awesome. And again, I want to shout out um, the good work that the people at the Giving Kitchen are, are doing. Yes. So look them up online and also Crisis Text Line 741741. Spread the word. Put it up in your locker room. <laughs> Put it wherever you need to. Just normalize uh that and talking about therapy i am so glad you're here thank you so much for coming in and i want to thank all of our crew here all our our audio and visual people our producers like i'm getting we have some new people on here we have hatley tarpley we have Margot got help and we have the incredible jennifer martnick thank you all to all your production that you do and uh just yeah thanks for the spirit you lend to this and everything you do um if this is part of food and wine pro communal table is part of food and wine pro which is something that we're doing on foodandwine.com and also out in the world as much as we can and we're trying to focus on the issues that really affect people in restaurants there's a lot of educational stuff there from people in the industry talking about real estate and finances and hiring and taking care of yourself in the industry so go to foodandwine.com find our our uh, our stories there you can sign up for the newsletter that is either written by our editor-in-chief Hunter Lewis he does it every week and if every once in a while I get to fill in for the great Hunter Lewis we always have the most recent podcast in there as well um Food One Pro is a pretty exciting thing and if you want to hear more of Communal Table um it really really helps if you leave comments and stars and all that stuff that helps out in the algorithm and helps people find us and helps us keep getting to do the show that we love that you can find on all the different podcast platforms as well as YouTube and other places like that. This video and audio. Wow, it's like it's 2020 or something. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and if you, there's somebody who, um, 
you know, you want us to have on here or something that, uh, you know, you, you want to say to me I'm, or if you want to help, uh, you know, any of us get to where we're needing to go. Help Katie find a more balanced life. Help us fix the industry. Pretty easy to find on social at Kitten with a Whip on Twitter, on Instagram at Kat Kinsman. And thank you so much for listening. And, you know, until the next time we talk, take good care of yourself.